everybody, welcome to Media Review Pod, a variety podcast of discussions, opinions, and interviews focusing on the entertainment side of media. My name is Richard Santiago, and today we're swinging into a special last-minute episode where we will be talking about the latest Spider-Man movie in the MCU, No Way Home. As always, with me, talking about all Marvel and comic stuff, I have my very good friend, JC Chang. Welcome back. Hey, Richard. Happy holidays. You too. Hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for doing this last minute. I know it took a little bit of uh, logistics from your side and from my side. Uh, but we're here. We're ready to do this. Uh, aside from Spider-Man, we're also going to be doing a little bit of What If and some of Hawkeye. So, guys, brace yourselves because some of that is going to have a little bit of spoilers. All right, so here we go. Last time we spoke, JC, we talked a little bit about what if, and we were we weren't done with the series. We left off, I believe, in the zombie episode, and by now the show's done. It completed its run, and I just want to take your temperature on that show to see if it if it lived up to what came before in terms of the episodes and did it stick the landing? Yeah. Um, I, if I remember correctly, we both hypothesized that the zombies episode was going to be like the a part two parter, but it turns out that that was it. It was just like, that was the end of that episode and they moved on. And I think that was something, uh, that was interesting that they went with for the following episodes. Uh, and even the ending of the show as a whole was a cliffhanger. Mm. Uh, fun fact, though, they are doing a Marvel Zombies series on Disney+. Plus. Oh, so really? That is, I want, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a animated series or mm -hmm. live action. That would, that would be extremely cool. Huh. I'm leaning towards, yeah, maybe like a con 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 continuation of the uh, What If episode. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. I don't. I think there were some uneven parts to it. You know, um, uh, the party Thor episode that came, I think, about two episodes later. I thought that was really fun, and it's always, you know, awesome that they get these original actors come do the voices. Chris Hemsworth was yeah. absolutely hilarious, and I think he has a career as a voice actor if he if uh, he loses his good looks ever one day. But. <laughs> But I, I enjoy that one very much. Yeah, that um, that episode for me, and it, this is so weird saying, but I think it was better than the first two Thors combined. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's it's those two Thor movies were. I don't. There's for me, and this is very personal to me, but they're they're pretty boring. They have their moments, but overall, they uh, they are lower, lower, lower tier Marvel movies for me. And then watching this episode made me, first of all, remember how good Ragnarok is and how well, Amen to that. And how well uh, Chris Hemsworth does comedy. Right. Also, the premise of it being like, a, like kids misbehaving and then their parents are about to get home and they have to kind of clean everything up before their parents get home. It It's fantastic. It's just, it, it works so, so, so well. Uh, so yeah, that episode really great. And then what about, what about how it ended? How it wrapped up? What do you think? We, I know we, we haven't seen Marvel land a ending yet. And right. uh, I thought Hawkeye landed very well. I know you haven't seen it yet, but I think you'll mm -hmm. really enjoy how it resolves. Um, and uh and so you know i was i was hoping to get like a finite ending and then maybe when they do season two it'll just be more other stories uh but it was a cliffhanger so i guess we gotta wait for season two to see what's going on just like loki so mm -hmm. um but um, i'm glad that like i said hawkeye you know show that marvel can land a series yeah so yeah uh for me the show it was fun it was great it's just the whole everything coming together and making a new team. That that thing, we've done it. We've done it several times. Yeah. And it just felt a little bit forced in this one. Um, especially the way that the watcher chooses who's in the team. He just right. 
appears there and says, oh, you're chosen and you're chosen and you and you get a car and you yeah. get a car and you get a car. Uh, so that part of it, uh, I, I wasn't too hot on. And then not having James Spader doing the voice for Ultron uh, sucked. Yeah, just wasn't the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you mentioned Watcher. Uh, we'll take a little rewind. Man, that that Dragon Ball Z style fight between Ultron oh, and the yeah. Watcher, though, that was sick. Yeah, that was sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was punched him into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it, it, it was it was fun. Um, and I, I, I kind of already knew that, uh, Dr. Strange was gonna come and save the day in the end. And it, it, I enjoyed it. I was just not too uh, fond of it all coalescing into one Avengers yeah. type thing. I was fine with it just yeah. being separate separate episodes that had nothing to do with it like an anthology type of thing um but whatever i mean they they have their brand so they kind of feel like they have to bring everything together again so that's fine that's fine yeah and i think one there was one uh, character the thanos gamora which was like where the heck did she come from i think that was probably due to them deciding i think halfway through the production of the series like hey we're gonna do a season two so they moved her story to season two actually mm. but i was like what the heck was that all about well the, but, there um, were I, th I think her episode was supposed to be out on this one but then covid got in the way or something like yeah. that yeah i think so okay it was either covid or they wanted to for some reason reorder it mm -hmm. to season two but yeah all right, man. Well, that's that's uh, that's what if it was it was a really really fun animated show. I think um, it's worthy of the Marvel name, and I am really excited for season two. I really want to dig into more crazy craziness. So um, even though I wasn't completely ultra satisfied with the ending, the journey to get there was awesome. So. Um, if you guys get a chance to watch that show, I highly, highly recommend it. And um, now let's let's move on to Hawkeye, because I'm not done with that show yet. I'm on episode four, but okay. what I've seen so far, I love it. I love it, and it's so weird because if you remember when we were talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I was telling you that I didn't know why that show was a show because it felt like like a movie right it was it was like a movie split into different sections and lo and behold hawkeye is basically that it it feels like part of the mcu but there's something different and when i say mcu i mean the movies it feels like part of the movies and one big part mm -hmm. is that we have we have hawkeye there so that's that's a big part he was in the initial Avengers movies. So we associate his face with, with that, right? Falcon and... Well, they even opened the first episode with, you know, the Battle of New York. Right. Or like a different vantage point of it. Exactly. With, um, yeah, with Kate seeing Hawkeye, you know, doing his dive off the building thing mm -hmm. and then her just totally being wide-eyed and in all of him. Right. And, and so... To my surprise, I said, well, this this does feel like it's part of the MCU movies. And it also feels like a movie. It it I was just thinking, why is this a TV show? Why why are we having this as a TV show? And honestly, I still can't pinpoint why, but I can tell you why I like it more than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And here's the kicker. This show is so grounded. It feels, it doesn't feel like it's bombastic and huge and the stakes are out of this world. It's reduced to these two people who have one single problem to solve and it's street level. So we're not going into space. Yep. We don't have monsters from another universe. None of that. 
we just have Hawkeye and his sidekick and the dog and whoever gets in the way, but that's it. And it, it feels grounded. We can relate to the character. He's more human. He doesn't have superpowers other than being able to aim really well. Um, and I think that's that's what I like. Not only that, this show, uh, con contrasting it to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this show is able to just sit down and have a nice talk with characters. You have several uh, campfire scenes where they just hash it out and you get to see these characters being developed and expanded upon rather than just giving us a bunch of nonsense action just for action's sake. Um, I'm re I really enjoy the action here uh, as opposed to Falcon and the Winter Soldier where for me the action was meh. Here it's 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 interesting. I think the camera work is really really well done. That that chase in the car was excellent. Um and yeah, yeah. I I th and I also told you about this in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and I'm sorry that I'm I'm I keep harping upon this, but I th I think there's a really big difference between these shows in terms of the writing. And it's that in, in this show, they're focused on the characters. They're focused on giving us background and telling us what these characters want and where are they going and where they come from so we can relate to these characters. And those were my favorite parts of Falcon and the Winter Soldier when we had those little moments of them just, just talking and, and doing real-life stuff, like going to the bank and not being able to, to get an account or a mortgage or, 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 or fixing the, the, the boat. You know, those moments were, for me, what made that show. And then they give me crap in, in that weird city with what was with uh, what was her name? I don't even remember her name. The power broker. The power broker. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah. So so who cares about the power broker? It it felt just so shoehorned, and then you have the Carly stuff, which was very underdeveloped, which could have been also a product of of uh, of the COVID thing. But it just felt too big, too big for these two characters that we weren't really um, honing into who they were, except for those little moments. Those were the ones that made for me that show, and everything else just could have been. It's it's just extra. But then Hawkeye yeah. is. I think it's more focused. They were able to to bring in these characters at a really vulnerable moment, and expand upon them within a very short timeline. Because I think it's literally six days, and that's it. Right. Um, and I, I, I feel it's fun. It feels like uh, a 90s cop movie, like Lethal Weapon or something like that. Well, I, you know, it's like you said, I think it was ext it's extremely character focused. And when Marvel does characters, that's when they win. Right. And there's usually the, the problems everyone has about Marvel movies isn't the character moments. They, it's it's the big CGI fights, quote unquote. Right. And um and and that's when you get away from the character and you got to you know do a little fan service and and get in and kind of become an action movie mm -hmm. right to fill, fulfill the genre yeah um but this movie or this excuse me this show hey you had me seeing mm -hmm. saying this movie i think it, it does those characters so extremely well because it you know it's it's quieter uh, you did you do have the big bombastic action scenes, but it's not like CGI film. Well, maybe it. I mean, yeah, they use CGI, but it, it's not like CGI monsters, right. right? It's very grounded. You got these these tracksuit mafia guys who are just saying bro all the time, which is hilarious and straight out of the comics. And uh, and and I thought that this show did such a great job adapting the Matt Fraction run, you know, of the Hawkeye miniseries that that was so beloved and. Uh, I think a big part of it too is the only way you can sustain those character moments if you have great acting and Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld just have amazing chemistry yeah, in the show. I like agree. I would get one of those shows that showed me that hey, go make go out, get these two, 
put them in another, you know, buddy cop comedy, like actual buddy cop comedy or something like mm-hmm. that. Or maybe make them play father and daughter. I don't know. But give give us more of that, right? More of their performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on episode four, you know, you see Yelena pop out and uh, and that was really cool too because, you know, Florence Pugh, it, it was definitely the highlight of the Black Widow movie. It wasn't Scarlett Johansson, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it the, the one good thing that I felt like Black Widow did right was introduce us to this character that everyone really enjoys. Yep. Um, and I think once you get to episode five and six, you'll see how much they develop her. Um, and then you get to see a little bit of that interaction between her and Haley Steinfeld. And then you'll want to see a movie with them, you know, separately outside of the MCU. Um, so I, I really enjoyed, you know, the first four episodes. Uh, I think the last two episodes are great too. There may be a couple of things that would have changed about it, but, uh, it's so far, you know, I think it's, it's, it's probably one of the best or probably second best. Loki is still number one for me, but I think Hawkeye quickly climbed to be second best of all the MCU shows. All right. So, uh... Enough, enough talk. Let's swing into Spider-Man No Way Home right now. Okay, Spider-Man No Way Home was written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, and it was directed by John Watts. And here's a little summary from our trusted IMDb. Here we go. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, Peter asks Doctor Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. JC, this movie is one of those big cinema movies that people have been waiting for for a long time, okay? It's not only a huge movie because this is a very popular character, but it's also a big movie because, well, when the previews, we see that we have some interesting villains coming into the fold. And it's, I think, the biggest movie to come out in theaters since this whole pandemic thing started. So, without any spoilers, what did you think about Spider-Man No Way Home? Amazing, spectacular, at a friendly neighborhood level. All right. <laughs> How did I do there? No, that, uh, that's, that's great. That's uh, great. No, I, I thought, you know, going into it, I, I already had kind of inkling of what might be coming right i mean there's a lot of chatter on the internet of what might be in this movie yeah beyond what was in the trailers um but those inklings could not capture the feeling you get when you watch this movie because it is not only a culmination of the tom holland trilogy which has been fantastic in my opinion yeah um but it's a culmination for the entire franchise you know that going back to going back to the Raimi movies, right? Like Spider-Man Two, I I think before No Way Home was one of my favorite Spider-Man movies of all time. Probably one of the best superhero movies of all time. It stands up so well. If you go back and watch it, it's fantastic. And arguably, you can say that without Spider-Man, there would be no Marvel Cinematic Universe because that was when Kevin Feige, um, the head honcho of Marvel, cut his teeth. You know, he was he worked on all those movies and that kind of gave him the experience needed to kind of build this massive, you know, juggernaut of Marvel that we see today. Mm. But also it showed that there's an appetite for these type of type of um, uh, uh, superhero movies. Spider-Man, I believe, came before X-Men. Is that right? No. Or did X-Men come first? X-Men, I think X-Men was okay. in 2000. Gotcha. Yeah. So X-Men... Yeah, okay, that you're right. So X-Men came out and it was a I would say it was a more of a lucid adaptation of the of the comic book that it was based on. In the sense that they didn't they didn't go all in with the the costumes, the the bright and and beautiful colors that is, you know, 
that is comics. They actually Spider Man did they they actually shunned away from it and even have a line in the yes, movie. Yes, they did. They have they have Wolverine saying, "What uh, I, this sucks," and then Scott says, "What do you prefer, yellow spandex or something?" He, he says something yeah. like that, some quippy thing like that. Um, but yeah, right. yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from. Yes, keep going. It it fully embraced the comics. Um, you know, they had the the beautiful Spider-Man suit. No, not only that, they had the insane Green Goblin costume, which is like so hilarious to look back on now but it was groundbreaking during that time right um you know and so to kind of put it in context you had x-men and then before that you had batman uh and robin who was like the last big you know superhero flop and so spider-man really kind of re-jump-started the the true to comics adaptation comic book movie that we're all we all take for granted today hmm. And to have that kind of play an impact, you know, with bringing back the Green Goblin that's in the trailer, it's not spoiling anything. Yep. And then Doc Ock and, and, you know, those characters and putting it in this movie, um, I thought it was it was beautiful, you know, and really made me feel like I was a little kid again. I feel that was like a common reaction that a lot of people had right after seeing it. It's like I felt like I was, you know, 14, 16 or, or whatever you were when you first saw your first Spider-Man movie. Um and also, I think finally, this movie finally gave Spider-Man the place it deserves in, in pop culture again. For the longest time, you know, like I'm dating myself a little bit, but in the in the early 90s when I was, you know, in elementary school, what you would do is you would come home, you would turn on TV, and it was Fox, Fox animated, and you would watch a Spider-Man cartoon, right? And Spider-Man was the most popular, you know, comic book hero and the most popular superhero because of that, because of the cartoons for a long time. And then Sony did, you know, they did the Raimi movies and they did the Andrew Garfield movies. And unfortunately, right after the Andrew Garfield movies, you know, Spider-Man's brand kind of declined a little bit. Merchandise sales were still up, but it was still, but, but people were not as keen to kind of even watch the Spider-Man uh, Homecoming movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't do blockbuster numbers that's no longer going to be the case every single spider-man movie from now on i think is going to be a must watch at least the ones made by you know uh disney and, and marvel studios uh i don't know about the venom ones i still haven't seen venom 2 yet i heard it's pretty fun but you know or i, I don't know if i'm going to see morbius <laughs> <laughs> uh so you know loved it i thought it was fantastic i thought it's exactly what we needed to kind of re-jump start the box office after the pandemic uh, granted we have the the omicron wave happening now that i think it's a little bit different than before um, people are more protected now those mm -hmm. who are willing to get vaccinated um and uh and, and so i think we're kind of returning to normal in the sense of the box office and, and movie theaters i hope so at least yeah because i really enjoy the movies and i do not want the movie theaters to be shut down again yeah yeah absolutely all right. Um, well, for me, I, I I remember after I saw the movie, I texted you. Uh, I'm going to read yeah. verbatim what I texted you because you asked me if, if, if what were my thoughts. And I said that I never thought that I'd ever be glad to have seen all previously or all previous pre-Marvel Studios Spider-Man movies because... This one made that sacrifice worth it. <laughs> uh, it. I don't think it's a secret that I was never a fan of the star of the Spider-Man movies. I never liked them. I still don't. I think out of the five, Spider-Man 2 is the one that I can get through. And it's more because of Alfred Molina. Because he's great in it, and he's you know, great the, in this one too. The, the storyline in Spider-Man Two is also very interesting because you have a Spider-Man superhero who is losing his powers. Um, he his his entire life is kind of going off the rails, and he kind of has to put everything back together. So, this movie, I really, really enjoyed it. I I. I can't hide it. It's it was an extremely 
fun experience. Look, being in a theater full of people cheering, crying, screaming while things are happening in the movie, it just has no comparison. So, and I don't know if it's because I was out of the movie theater for so long that going back was a different experience, but, and I've said this in other podcasts, this is what cinema is about. It's being in that dark room with this communal uh, experience and living the movie together. It was just an awesome movie. Uh, I, I, I'm saying it's it's uh, Oscar worthy or anything like that because no, but it was so fun. I had so much fun with this movie that I, I, I'm really excited to see it again. My kids loved it. My wife liked it a lot. And not only did I enjoy it, I was also taken aback because I stayed spoiler free until I watched it. And there were a bunch of surprises that I was not expecting at all. So it also got me thinking, what if the trailers didn't show who the villains were? What mm. if we were to go into the theater not knowing yeah. anything? It would have been... It would have just knocked me off my socks. It would have been so awesome. So before we go into spoilers, and I want to go into spoilers because I want to talk about a bunch of stuff, I just want to say that this movie is worthy of the MCU uh, name of the MCU, logo of the MCU fanfare, even though it doesn't have the MCU fanfare. Uh, and I am really glad that they were able to stick the landing this is a really nice closing to a trilogy and honestly i'm a little bit scared of what sony's gonna do with spider-man because uh, as i understand it they only have uh, mc the mcu marvel studios has spider-man for just one more movie and it's one of the big movies it's not it's not a spider-man movie so i don't know man but anyway, if if you guys liked uh, the uh, the previous Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, I really think you'll love this one. This was a really fun movie, and I highly, highly recommend it. All right, how about if we go into spoilers? Let's do it. All right, so spoilers starting right now. This will be your only warning for spoilers. I want to talk a little bit about how these villains came into this world because I think this is an amazing feat of logistics, of timing. Um, sure, it's nostalgia all over, but the way that they brought these characters in I think works perfectly with the story and that's what makes this work. It makes... Uh, be, because the story needs it. The story needs this guy. This, it's not just having these villains just because they will um, they will bring emotions in you that uh, make you feel, like you said, like you were 16 years old again. No, it's because right. the story needs these characters to be there. And it works, right. it works perfectly. So um, I, I didn't know that that uh, Willem Dafoe was going to be in it for so long. I thought it was just going to be like cameos here and there because we've seen movies with a bunch of villains and they hardly ever work. Yep. But this movie had the five villains coming into the fold and, and they all have their moments. I mean, they all have more than just one line or, or, or a quip here and a quip there. They form part of the overall story especially yeah. Willem Dafoe, who is just chewing up scenery. He does... That guy knows how to just work with his face in such a way that he doesn't even need the mask. He even breaks the mask because, he, he, honestly, he doesn't need it at all. Um, and I think it gives 
all the all the villain characters uh, a good send off, um, and I'm so happy that they that they did it because, like I said, it made me retroactively like the previous Spider-Man movie, especially the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which I I really don't like, and I own one of them. Um, it was free. It was it was a digital... hey. To be fair, I think the first one was all right. I mean, no. like it wasn't amazing, look, look, but it was. I th I think I think for me, this is very personal again to me. The fundamental issue that I have with those movies is that it makes Peter Parker like he is a cho the chosen one. Yeah. Where when when in reality Peter Parker was just an accident. It was just an accident that he got bitten by the spider and he got his powers and whatever. Yeah. But the, but but then you have the amazing Spider-Man movies and they make it out like it was an experiment and he was the only one who could carry out the uh spider the spider experiment and it could only live yeah. with him because of his blood whatever. It just makes him too special. And I, I I don't think I don't think it vibes with me because um, the cool thing about Spider Man is that he's just an ordinary guy trying to get by through life. He's not special. He he eventually turns special because of his eventual mutation, but um, he's just a kid trying to figure it out. And 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 you add to that that the, the scripts weren't great. Um. And then you have you have the mess of the Amazing Spider-Man two. So this movie, made... which I didn't even watch, by the way. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Spider-Man three and Amazing Spider-Man two were movies that I never got to, and frankly, weren't interested in revisiting up until after No Way Home. I was like, oh, maybe I'll you know go back and watch it for the sake of adding more context and emotional okay. connection to those. So you scenes, never but... you never you've never seen Spider-Man three. I've never seen Spider-Man three. I've seen clips of it. Okay. Um, I kind of know that the Sandman is in it. Okay. Um, that There's is Venom in it. About it. And Venom's then, in it. And then the other version of Venom. And then the yeah. the other Goblin is in it. It's like you said, Willem Dafoe. Though I mean, like, what's what's amazing is he was already phenomenal in the original movies, right? Yeah. He he was even better. Like this is this is peak Willem Dafoe here. This is like him after what twenty almost twenty years of. Yeah of the additional acting experience that he's taken of all the roles he's taken on and applied to this, this given character. It's just like, wow, that was incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's definitely stole the scene in every single, um, every single, every single, you know, part that he was in. Uh, my favorite was in the soup kitchen. Cause that was when like, you start to feel for that character. You yeah. start to feel for Norman Osborn because you know what happens to him in the past. Right. Yeah. And, and exactly as like you said, you know what the fate of all these villains are. If you've seen the movies and you know everyone, you know, spoiler alert for all the previous Spider movies, they die or in some some sort of way, right? So so uh the fact that it's it's exactly you said, like it wasn't fan service. I mean, it was fan service, but it was done in service of the story because then you had this this way to show that Peter is the noble Peter Parker and Spider-Man that we all come to love because instead of just sending them back, you know, which he did want to do at some point, cause he was kind of tired of everything. But in the end, he chose to save them. Like mm -hmm. these are his worst villains or at least the, the worst villains of those versions of Spider-Man. Um, and also you already have these emotional connections with these characters and like good or bad but you've you spent time with these characters right so you didn't really have to develop them as much yeah so there's that benefit there and that served the story as well because you didn't have to give these massive introductions to all these villains you just kind of lean on okay hey you know this is like in one or two lines you kind of give their origins but then like you kind of lean into who these characters are i think that the one character they probably redeemed the most was jamie fox's electro character mm. um i thought he was you know was that was that that was a Spider-Man two? Right. So yeah. in the scene in the so I yep. saw clips of that movie. Amazing Spider-Man. And I was like, I'm so glad. One or two. The one. Amazing Spider-Man two. Two. That yeah. So I was like, I remember watching clips. I was like, oh my god, I'm so glad I didn't watch this movie because he was such a terrible 
villain like that like it was just a terrible characterization and then Mm -hmm. like they finally flipped that around in this movie and made him you know kind of more relatable as a person and he had one of the best lines in the movie you look good and you know you 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 help all the little people i thought you were black (laughs) they also i just just wish you were they they also change his his appearance because he's blue in, yes. in, in that other movie and they just, it's just Jamie Foxx here. Yeah. And they exactly. give him a suit. And, um, but yeah, I think, I, I think that the, the way that they were able to bring in these characters really worked. Um, and I am, I'm, I'm really happy that I, I knew the movies. I saw the movies because it just, it filled in a bunch of gaps that people who haven't seen the, those movies, uh, will it will kind of go over their heads? It, that doesn't mean that the movie will not make sense because that's that's part of what I'm saying with these characters making sense in the script. That is that they form part of the story. They form part of the uh, the story that this movie is trying to tell. And so even though even if you haven't seen those movies, it'll still make sense. Yeah. Um, all right, and speaking of bringing in characters, the biggest surprise for me was seeing the other Spider-Man from other universes. Because I heard rumors and people talking and saying no and saying yes and whatever. And so going into it, I said, all right, well, if, they, if they're if they there, fine. If they're not, then fine. But they were able to, uh, to make sense of all of it. And when they show up, which is towards the end of the second act, it makes so much sense for them to be there. And they're not there just as... As a, a, and they're there in the second act. It wasn't just the third act. They yeah. came in really early, and that was just that was just very surprising to me. As someone who kind of had an inkling mm-hmm. that you know that it might be happening, they were utilized so much in service of the story rather than just you know quick cameos, which I thought it would be like they would just swing in in the final battle. You know, is I don't I don't know how much Tobey Maguire wants to be Spider Man again, but mm-hmm. but it was fantastic. Yeah, I also thought it was just going to be a, a ca- if they were there, then it would have been like a cameo or something like that. But again, they were part of the story. It just made sense for them to be there and not o- not only there in the moment that they appear, but there at the end for the resolution of this particular story. Um they are the ones who teach Tom Holland's Spider-Man who Spider-Man is and what he does. Um, especially the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man when he stops Peter from killing the Green Goblin. Yeah. And it's that moment of growth for Tom Holland because up until now, he's just a kid. And in this movie, we see him grow up. He has to grow up. He uh, He's been through a lot throughout the movies but this is the this is the one this is the one where we finally get the line with great power comes great responsibility this is the one where the biggest death in his life comes uh, into the fold and he literally has to grow up in in the matter of days Uh, he has to let go of the ones he loves to protect them it it's basically like a reset for that Spider-Man. Nobody knows who yeah. he is. He wants to keep his secret identity to protect the ones he loves. Um, and it all comes yeah, I, it all comes around perfectly. I think. I think that it was interesting because I you know looking at a lot of discussions after the movie, um, like I think the best way that's been put is this trilogy is kind of like an origin story yeah in a very grand scale of course but yeah. an origin story for tom holland uh, spider-man uh, because this is like in this trilogy he's been he's been less spider-man um more that more iron man jr 
you mm-hmm. know, like that's kind of how how they position him a little bit. Kind of obviously, you know, in, in Far From Home, he took he's supposed to take over the mantle. That was the expectation of him, and that kind of the end. They had that scene, you know, in the plane with him doing the Tony Stark thing with the yeah. with the hologram building the suit. Uh, but now we're finally. It feels like we're finally meeting Spider Man for the first time when we see at the end. You know, he has that that cloth made suit mm-hmm. uh, it, with the classic colors and him swinging through New York is like, all right, now we finally have our Spider-Man, you know, mm-hmm. it's no longer Iron Man juniors. It's, it's the Peter Parker from the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- and I think uh, it, uh, it's like you said, you know, like the, those Spider-Men were there for a reason. One to, to teach him that this is an easy journey and that they, they each have experienced their losses and kind yep. of imparting that wisdom to him. But two, also inspire him, I think, to kind of make this change to be a more grounded Spider-Man, especially from, I think, I think seeing their suits probably played a little bit of that, you know, story inspiration mm. for him, why he made the suit that way. Um, so I, I, I thought, you know, it was probably the best outcome and the best use of these characters that they could have come up with. Um, that to say like if it was just fan service and, and and cameos i think i still would have enjoyed it i don't think it would have gotten what 98 percent on rotten tomatoes or whatever i don't think critics would have enjoyed it very much but mm-hmm. uh, one thing that they did i think that was totally surprising to me though was that was you mentioned killing at may that was one move i never thought that they were going to take um you kind of knew that that was coming a little bit one i think once you get into that lobby you know the, mm-hmm. the apartment lobby yep but dang, that was one emotional scene. Probably even more emotional, I would say, than than the the Uncle Ben scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Aunt May's never died in any of those movies, and they're like, "All right, we're we're taking this there," you know. Yeah. So now he has no one left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Uncle Ben was a thing in this in this in, in the MCU, but but now he's got he's got no friends, he's got no family, and he's just on his own, kind of doing his own thing. Yep. Yep. So uh, I know a lot of people are, oh, where do they go next? Well, I hope they go smaller now in the next movie, mm-hmm. like which is you just basically see him being his Spider-Man thing and uh, and, you know, less of the other MCU noise. Although obviously seeing Doctor Strange was was extremely cool. And and that tease at the very end. Oh, my God. I cannot believe they put, you know, put the put the multiverse of madness <laughs> teaser at the very end there. That was awesome to see. <laughs> Um, so I think for, for this movie, the thing that most surprised me was the, that Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man. I wasn't expecting that at all. And he's just killing it, killing it in the movie. He gets the best payoff saving MJ he gets for me the best funny line when they're arguing who's Peter one and Peter two and Peter three, and he just acknowledges, "All right, I'm Peter three because, <laughs> and that's kind of meta as well because he he knows that he's his movies aren't aren't the best, so his series comes in third. Um, I just I I just couldn't believe that I was enjoying so much watching him as Spider Man. It was incredible. Um, and even Tobey Maguire, I, I, I never bought him as Spider-Man. Really? I, I always thought he was too old. And yet we have this almost 50 year old Spider-Man showing up in this movie and it just works. It's great. It's great. Uh, also nostalgia plays into this a lot. Um, and not because I liked those movies, but it, it just takes me back to when I, was in my 20s and saw the movies and um also it's it's another amazing feat of logistics to get these actors to reprise these roles 20 years after and the entire resolution was uh was everything that i never knew i wanted (laughs) which is which is incredible i and and i think i have to i have to give Kudos to the writers and the director, John Watts, and Kevin Feige for pulling this off. Uh, pulling off something that I never knew I wanted, and now I don't think how how we haven't had this before. 
All right. Anything else you want to we'll talk about before I go into things that I didn't particularly like about the movie? <laughs> uh, I think there was one scene that really stood out to me, like going back to what you're talking about, Andrew Garfield and him just having the greatest time of, of life of his life, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the role again. He like kind of put his hands around the other two Spider-Man. He's like, wait, I love you guys. Like, I felt like that was also very meta because I don't know if you you ever watched the video clip of Andrew Garfield being introduced at Comic-Con as Spider-Man. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah, he showed up in that, you know, that Halloween Spider-Man costume. He was so emotional and he talked about how much impact Spider-Man had on him as a kid. And, you know, just being Spider-Man is like a dream come true for him. Like he, he, I think he's talked about that a couple of times where, and so I was so happy to see him finally be able to have this great, incredible moment in this incredible movie that kind of culminates, you know, the entire Spider-Man. It's like, this is the peak of the Spider-Man franchise and he was be able to be part of it. Yeah. So I thought that was extremely cool. Uh, one last thing, I think that, uh, oh, actually two parts, two things I really want to point out that i really really give kevin feige and john watts who doesn't get enough credit for this movie with the direction i felt um was how they how well they did representation especially for ned seeing him in his uh, i think his grandmother's home and just having the interactions in, in his native language i thought was just so so amazing mm. so I, that was that was really meaningful to me as an asian american to kind of see that you know, representation of culture and everything. And she also had had a pretty big part in it too. Like, you know, she was funny, like she was hilarious. Um, and kind of harkens to every single, you know, like Asian grandmother out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other is is taking a character who used to be in the comics, the valet, as in the servant of Doctor Strange, and making him the Sorcerer Supreme, I think, is writing a major Wong that was kind of part of a uh, part of part of that character's uh, background. Of course, I'm speaking about Wong being a Sorcerer Supreme, and I was so mm-hmm. ecstatic to see that because I felt like that was a little bit of a, a kind of a Marvel making it up for for making Tilda Swinton uh, the Sorcerer Supreme <laughs> a little bit. Now that we finally have an Asian, you know, granted it's a man, but I mean it's an Asian as the Sorcerer Supreme. Because a lot of this, the 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 powers and mythology and whatnot does stem from Asian culture, so I think that was that was great, um, and I think they're keeping with that a multiverse of madness as well. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for a Wong movie. I don't know about you, man, but I'm ready for a Wong movie. Yeah, yeah, that that was, and the thing is, it's just, um, it's something that they don't they don't make too fine a point to to mention it, uh, very much. It's just. A throwaway line that they say, well, I'm not such a supreme anymore. I blipped out for five years. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. And um, I'm glad that you pointed out because um, I'm not Asian and that those things can probably go over my head a bit and because and, I'm not I'm not actively looking for it. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate that, that you bring it up. Um yeah, right. I had I had what you know you know the Leonardo DiCaprio meme like yeah you know, him pointing yeah, I had yeah, one yeah. of those moments. <laughs> okay, okay, awesome, very cool. Uh, okay, so all right, so what what Richard did you not like about this movie? Let's let's start tearing this thing apart after saying how much we loved it. <laughs> well, my, this is always my favorite part, by the way, where I where we could prove that we're not blind fanboys. <laughs> Although it's more so you. I don't know. I think you probably have more criticism than I do. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but I haven't mentioned Doctor Strange at all. Ah, and it's it's uh, it's on purpose because I think it's the weakest part of this movie. I think the entire first act is is so weak. I think the excuse to break the multiverse is so lame. Um. And the fact that Doctor Strange even goes with doing this uh, um, spell is preposterous. I don't think that character would have done it. I don't think so. Maybe to spite Wong, uh, just just to be a contrarian. Uh, but other than that, um, 
he's an asshole. He's always been an asshole. And I don't think he would have taken this kid seriously. So just, just with that, I think um, just watching that first act was, was a little tough for me. I didn't even know where the movie was going. Because even 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 though that beginning is shown in the teaser, which is all I saw when I before I went to the to the theater, mm-hmm. I was expecting a little bit more meat to it, more of a reason yeah. for Doctor Strange to do it, and probably for him to be involved in in the second act. Uh, however, we have. Spider-Man who beats Doctor Strange in his own game with math, I guess. And then he's stuck in that what what do they call it? The uh, mirror 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 dimension? Yeah. He's stuck in there for the rest of the movie until the final act. And I just I wasn't I wasn't buying it at all. So that that's that's one of the weakest points in the movie. And I like Doctor Strange. I'm not like those haters who don't like the movie. I like I kind of like the movie. It's it's fine. It's a it's an okay movie. Yeah. Um and I like him in in uh uh in the Avengers movie as well. He's he's fine. But here not so much. So j- just that that premise of why this whole multiverse thing comes into being it's just it's not great for me i enjoyed everything else but that particular thing uh just didn't work for me at all um and then there were some just logic stuff like in the end everyone forgets about spider-man and then who do mj and ned think was Spider-Man because they've helped him do stuff. Did they forget that they helped him do stuff? Why do they think that they're at the Statue of Liberty at all? How did they get back home? That makes no well, sense. Well, they forget that they're they forget Peter Parker. Yeah, they yeah, I know Peter Parker. But I know. They remember Spider-Man though. So what? Why do they think they were in the Statue of Liberty? How did they get back home? I think maybe they. I, because Doctor sure. Strange I also expand on this later. Forgot like, about yeah, it. I mean, like I think they remember the Spider-Man parts and like, oh, they were helping Spider-Man, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, that's it's the for whatever reason Peter that Parker. I'm. It's the yeah, for, for yeah. whatever reason that I'm not too sure about. That's yeah. how how is that spell filling in those gaps? That might be the plot device that like makes him start. Oh man, like we have this missing piece of our memory. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I kind of agree with you. There was a lot of memes out there where like you know, it, it, basically if, if if Doctor Strange just made everyone forget Mysterio, then he could there'd be no movie. There'd be no need for a movie, right? Right. Because then none of this would have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh. But yeah, I mean, you just gotta have your plot devices sometimes to get your get your character to that point. Uh, but I remember when that when that you know when the teaser came out, people were kind of speculating, oh, maybe it's evil Doctor Strange because it's it is so out of character for him to do it, um, or rather out of character for this Doctor Strange who's been through so much already. Uh-huh. Maybe not for the original Doctor Strange that we see, right? Because he kind of had like this rebellious streak yeah. that we did see in in his origin movie. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to call on that a little bit, but, but yeah, I did feel like that was a little bit. You had to kind of, I don't know. It, it was a little bit too much of a suspension of disbelief, a little bit, or asking the audience mm-hmm. a little too much. But um, yeah, now that you mention, I think the best parts of the movie are without Doctor Strange. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah. not there. That's why. Yeah. Um. But the Mirror Dimension fight was pretty damn awesome, though I would say. But uh, yeah, being him being trapped there for twelve hours, as much as how much Loki would have enjoyed that. I, know <laughs> I know, right? I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. I don't know. I don't know why he would be stuck there for that long. But I guess time works differently in the Mirror Dimension. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. The other thing that was 
iffy to me was the fact that Ned just knew magic and he could open portals. Um, I, I was, I would, I'm okay with that one just because I'm, I'm ready for, for him to, well, well, one thing uh, is being ready for him to be something or someone special. And then the other thing is to have seen, uh, dot the Dr. Strange movie and have gone through that journey of how difficult it is to open a portal with the knuckle thing. And then for him to just suddenly just wave his hand and the portal opens. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a it's something that they planted before because his grandma said he was magic. But uh, yeah, and I think there was also a visual cue to like maybe his family background. I think this this might be from the comics where I think the his family is some has, was into like Asian ma or ancient magic or something like that. Okay. I don't know, but still, still, yeah, still. I mean, but I think that's one of those things where like they can easily rectify down the road where like, you know, they do a little bit more of expansion on why he has the magic and then because, you know, okay. All right. All right. Like look at this. Look at this. So yeah. even, even Wanda who was born a witch, as we're told in WandaVision, even, even she displayed stuff when she was a kid, right? Cause she right. was able to stop that bomb from going off and killing them. I mean that's that's what they imply in in right. in that episode of WandaVision. Yeah. So Ned is just finding out that he's magic. He's never had a Harry Potter moment where he can hear snakes talk or make his cousin <laughs> go through the glass. Uh I don't know. It's uh it's yeah, it's one of those things that still doesn't make much sense to me. Um and what then, a throwaway line. He says he has tinkly fingers, right? As a kid. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. And, and speaking of uh, tingly and tingle, why doesn't Peter get the tingle when um, when uh, Tobey Maguire is about to get stabbed? Oh, that's a good question. It, yeah. And, and then those are – I'm just nitpicking. I'm just nitpicking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those things where after it happened, I went, wait a minute. Hmm. But the movie keeps going and then you don't have time to process it until after you right. come out of the movies and you go, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So, so that was another one. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where if, 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 if you just start trying to give logic to everything, it's just going to break into pieces and you won't be able to put it back in and i just enjoyed this movie so much that i really don't care <laughs> that's the key right yeah yeah you you create an enjoyable experience so that even if you there are flaws to it you know you forgive it because the other parts are so good yeah 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 so i see that you have uh you have a, a hashtag right there that says make t-a-s-m-3 what's that all about yeah so after No Way Home came out on Twitter, this hashtag was trending okay. because people want a Amazing Spider-Man three. Do they? And knowing how boneheaded uh, Sony is, they might do it. We'll see. Uh, but I think it it's, again goes back to just how good Andrew Garfield was. Yeah. In this, yeah. You know, yeah. In this movie. I, I, I think people want to see like, yeah. I'm I'm happy with what we saw now. I I don't need an Amazing Spider-Man three. Again, I don't think Sony has the chops to do it. I don't, I don't think they have the ability to make a good Spider-Man movie, period. Um, unless they have learned something from Marvel. I don't know. Maybe. It's possible. But, yeah. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but possible. I don't know. These these hashtags, like like the whole justice... Just as uh, release the Snyder cut, Snyder. And, hey, it works. Whatever, we got the Snyder I, cut. I, but do we really want people forcing studios to make stuff, forcing uh, 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 creative people to do stuff? I don't know. I don't think. I don't think I agree with that. I don't think I'm into that. I'm glad that Zack Snyder was able to put out a less worse version than whatever came out in theaters now here's the question was it really fan driven or was it 
viral marketing. It was both. It was because... Yeah, it, it, he definitely leaned into it. Yeah. He definitely leaned into it. Because why not? It gives him more money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we're, we're digressing about it. Yeah, I, 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 it's a good question, right? Which is, you know, should should studios be doing what they want to do because it serves a story or should they just be giving it to fan demand? I don't know. Right. Although in this day and age, when studios are trying to you know, recuperate all their losses, if mm-hmm. you have that much demand, you might you might be tempted to meet it whenever they're, it's there. Right. So I don't know. There's also talks of what Spider-Man Four with with, with Toby Tobey Maguire, Maguire. But I don't really? know if Toby wants to be in spandex oh, for an entire movie again. Come on. Yeah. Um, but I think I think you could do a, a Amazing Spider-Man Three. And not have it be Amazing Spider-Man three. Basically, like I think the the Venom movies are supposed to exist in that universe. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen any of them, but okay. they could just make Venom, you know, Andrew Garfield's villain, and then have them meet in a in a movie or something like okay. that. I guess. But. Well, spe- speaking of Venom, after the yeah. the uh, the initial credits, we had a, a mid credits scene. Oh, uh, mid credits scene. Yeah, and we yeah. had we had Venom in there and. And it was just uh, like a funny little moment. And by the end, he disappears like the rest of the villains. And he just leaves a little bit of uh, symbiote stuff on there. So now the symbiote lives in Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe. Yeah, and the bartender is played by some pretty hot actor right now, right? I, I for, His name escapes me, but Christo... Fernandez, and he's actually known for uh, being Ted Lasso. I haven't seen the mo- seen the TV show, but has won a lot of awards. Okay, so I don't think, yeah, I don't think you put a a relatively famous actor, well, at least to people who watch TV, uh, in that post credit scene. Just so maybe he might be the MCU's Venom. I don't know. Mm. Okay, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. All right, man. Well, anything anything else uh, you'd like to talk about? Anything you think we might have skipped over, forgotten, or are you satisfied? I'm satisfied. I'm I'm very excited for uh, looking forward. I'm I'm excited for Miss Marvel on Disney Plus next year. Mm, okay, uh, that's probably what I'm most excited for in the upcoming new year. Um, uh, I think you know. Finally, having a a show that represents um, Muslim Americans, Pakistani American. She's Pakistani American. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fantastic for representation. Um, oh, oh my goodness! Speaking of TV, Marvel TV, we didn't even. Yeah, we we forgot to talk about uh, Daredevil, Matt Murdock. Oh in, in Spider-Man yeah, no Way Home. See, that's that's yeah. a cameo. It's just a cameo. But yes. it was a cameo I was cheering for, man, because that that makes it official. Matt Murdock yeah. is part of the MCU. And now I, the question is, does it make the Netflix shows canon? But I think we can have that discussion uh, next time after you've seen um, the end of, uh, okay. end of Hawkeye. All right. Well, you know what? I, I hope so, because especially that show, Daredevil, Um. I I really liked it. It was really fun. It was very different from from what we had seen in the MCU. It had cussing and had amazing choreography and great fighting. Um, And just seeing superheroes in an R-rated scenario was was fun. It was really fun. Uh, So I, I I hope that they are able to... Bring him, bring uh, uh, Matt Murdock again for some other thing, and because um, I I really like him, I really like him, I really like the actor, I really liked his character, um, and the way that they were able to uh, expand upon him in the in the show. So I'm excited. It was fun. It was it was a good cameo, which I wasn't expecting at all. I'm still two episodes away from fiz- finishing uh, season one. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Daredevil. I'm telling you, man, the gore. Oh, I just, I just can't handle the gore. But <laughs> I'm gonna, 
power through it because now it's MCU canon. I'm going to have to watch yeah. it and be a completionist. Okay. Although before that, probably we'll watch uh, Eternals when it comes out in two weeks. Hmm. I, that That is going to be the only MCU movie, I think, ever that I have not seen in theaters. Unless I wow. somehow pop out and go see it this week. We'll I don't see. think it's worth it, dude. I don't even think it's in theaters anymore. <laughs> well, maybe you can find it in a rinky-dinky theater. If they're yeah, open. maybe. Yeah. If they're open, but yeah, yeah. Wow. wow, yeah, I haven't seen it either. I, I'm just, I'm just gonna yeah. wait for it to pop in, uh, in, in Disney Plus, and that's Disney it. Plus. Yeah, yeah, January twelfth, I think. Yeah, when it's coming. I, I risked my life for Spider-Man: No Way Home. Um, yeah, I don't think Eternals is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, JC. Any anything else you'd like to add before we close the show? No, it's good to good to be back to hang out with you again richard um and i think it's been a, a huge year for you I, I don't know how much you talk about on your podcast but you know you have a book out uh mm-hmm. so you're more oh uh, you're more uh shy about self-promotion so i'll say congrats on that thank and, you thank uh, you it was much. great to finally hang out with you in person amidst this crazy crazy pandemic that we've been in for two years now but um I think uh, we're all out and about and ready to start going back to theaters, which is a good thing. And, and you're starting to see our friends and family. Um, I, I obviously everyone should get vaccinated so we can try to beat this thing as soon as we can, or at least be able to live with it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's nice to see life starting to go back to normal a little bit. Although I'm saying that as we hit peak numbers again, but um, hopefully everyone's staying safe and it's always a good time, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back. You know, you're always invited onto Media Review Pod. And uh, to all of the people out there, where can they find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Well, I'm, I'm not as active on Twitter, but I'm going to try to tweet a little bit more about superheroes and whatnot in the upcoming new year um, at BarryBigBird06. So you can can find me there and uh yeah all right and you can find us on twitter at media review pod that's media r-e-v-u-e pod and you can send us emails with questions comments and suggestions to media review pod at gmail.com or you can just leave a voice message by calling 407-603-5847 again jc thank you so much for being here and to all our listeners out there it doesn't matter whether you use web shooters or webs just come out of your body You are amazing. And even when you're being chased by five villains, you can jump, swing, fight, and even fall. But you can never, ever forget to breathe. Till next time, have a good one. Bye-bye.